Hello, welcome to Up in the Roost, a Jacksonville State football podcast brought to you by the Aniston Star. My name is Tyler Waldrop, and I'm here with my colleague Thomas Ashworth, and today we're going to talk about spring MVPs. Uh, Thomas, who did you have in mind for offense? So Tyler and I actually disagreed on uh, our spring MVPs for offense. We have the same for defense, Uh, but for offense, I picked a guy that really filled in a role that was needed for Rich Rodriguez and his staff, Um, Pearson Baldwin, a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, uh, tight end. He filled in for Sean Brown, who is set to start at tight end this fall. It's pretty clear that the offense really ran it around Sean Brown. He was kind of one of the leading targets for all the quarterbacks that played in the spring. But Sean Brown went down with injury, I'd say maybe even earlier than a third of the way through spring. One of the times that he really caught me by surprise was during JSU's second scrimmage. Uh, Baldwin had three catches for 97 yards and two touchdowns. It didn't, I wouldn't say it took me by surprise more than it impressed me. He's just a guy that is an athlete. I mean, he played quarterback his, during high school. Um, he had 2,600 total yards at quarterback his senior year. And Richrod really liked what he saw from him as well. He said that he had a solid spring, and he's just one of the guys that can that knows football enough to just fit in. And he's also said that if you don't see Baldwin playing tight end this fall, which I think that he probably will at some point, that we can expect to see him on special teams as well. Well, Baldwin's big day might not have impressed Thomas, but it certainly impressed me and caught me by surprise. You know, to have three catches and almost 100 yards and two touchdowns in, in one practice is a pretty big day, but it came in Jacksonville State's second spring scrimmage. I think that was a big eye-opening moment for probably both of us. Right. I think it impressed Richrod a little bit. I think Baldwin probably even f- gained some confidence coming out of that day. I think that more than anything proved that Jacksonville State has a guy that can fill in for Sean Brown if he does go down with injury or or need to, to miss time at any point this upcoming season. I think up to that point, before the injury, Sean Brown is a guy that all the quarterbacks were kind of honing in on in practice during drills. I think he's a guy that was is probably going to be a focal point of the offense in the fall. And I think he was definitely a guy that everybody was looking to in the spring. And, I mean, when he went down with injury, I thought, oh, you know, this is going to shake things up a lot. But Pearson Baldwin kind of slid in there and just took that role over more than I expected. There's a few guys on the roster as well. Um, one of the names that come to mind is Carter Lambert. There's just a few guys on the roster that are just athletes. They played quarterback in high school. They played other positions in high school, but they're coming to Jacksonville State and just kind of learning different positions. And And Pearson Baldwin is one of the guys who's really just stepped into that role really well. Um, and for these guys that are just pure athletes, there's – Rich Rod said about all of them, if you don't expect to, if you don't see them in their true roles, you'll see them on special teams. You'll see them, you know, even taking kick returns. You'll see them doing something because he wants all these pure athletes to really contribute this uh, this fall. Yeah, I think at a bare minimum, we're definitely going to see Pearson Baldwin out there on special teams a lot. I expect him to, to get maybe earn some time in some two tight end sets. I'm not sure how Pearson Baldwin is going to do as a blocker. I know that's, he would say that's probably his weakest uh, aspect of his game. He's still working on that. But I do expect if Rich Rod wants two tight ends out there and he wants one of them to go out and 
catch, and he doesn't want to uh, that to always be Sean Brown, or maybe if he wants two guys that can go out there on some routes. I do think Pearson Baldwin has proven that he's up to the task. Mm-hmm. And he said it too. Like you said, blocking is one of the hardest things to learn immediately after going, especially after going from quarterback. Um, it's one of the hardest things to learn. But he said it's a, it's a learning process. And he also said while playing quarterback that he learned kind of what a tight end needs to do to – to make his quarterback successful as well, which is really cool. And Rich Rod also kind of hinted that he had really good football IQ as well. But him playing quarterback, I think, will really take him to the next level if he learns how to block and if he learns how to effectively help Zion Webb or Tayshaun Smoot or whoever is on the field at quarterback. Yeah, so as Thomas already said, we did disagree, though. As much as I liked Pearson Baldwin in the spring, I was even more impressed with uh, transfer running back Malik Jackson from Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Actually not a new guy for Rich Rodriguez. When Rich Rod was there as the offensive coordinator in 2021, he learned firsthand just how deadly Malik Jackson could be with the ball in his hand. Uh, That season, Malik Jackson was actually a slot receiver. And the last three games, Rich Rod said, hey, let's shake it up. Let's move him to running back. And in games against LSU, Louisiana Lafayette and Arkansas State, Jackson rushed for 356 yards and three touchdowns um, in his first game at the position. So I think that kind of speaks to the success he could have for Jacksonville State. And we saw a lot of that this spring. I felt like he took a lead role in running back reps early on. And I saw him make a lot of guys miss when the linebackers were going against the running backs. When they went live drills I saw him make plays I was just consistently impressed with what I saw from Lee Jackson this spring one of the things that you mentioned as well is just how versatile he is and this is something that Rich Rod really likes he talked about making his receivers versatile having them play slot having them play wherever on the field and this is something that we see as well with Malik Jackson I mean we saw him playing slot in spring as well and even if he's not in that true running back role because of there's also Anwar Lewis and Ron Wiggins that will be in the mix as well, competing for that spot. But if you don't see him in that true running back role, you're going to see him in some way. I'd expect him to see plenty of playing time, if not on every, almost every single snap that um, Rich Rod would think that he would need him to be on the field. Yeah, you did kind of allude to the, if there is a reason to, to maybe look more for another guy this upcoming season instead of Malik Jackson... Anwar Lewis, who I think we both expect to have a good fall, did miss a lot of time in the spring recovering from injury. Mm -hmm. Even when he was back out there, he was limited for a while, not able to participate in contact. So that did open the door for Malik Jackson, I think, to have a good spring. Uh, And in the scrimmage, I think you saw that pay off when he got a touchdown. He also converted a two-point play. He had about 20 yards, I think, of total offense in that game until there was a a bad snap, I think, that caused him to lose 10 yards because he dove on the ball. So, you know, you lose that, but I I certainly wouldn't punish him for making that play. Um, But, yeah, I was just consistently impressed with Malik Jackson. And Rich Rod even said after that game that uh, he wanted Jackson to join the team last season. They just, you know, for whatever reason didn't work out, couldn't bring him in until this year. But I expect him to play a lot. And I think that familiarity with Rich Rod certainly gives him a leg up, even though he's a quote-unquote new player to the team. With Enwar Lewis being out, I think it really created an opportunity for Malik to learn the offense. Despite playing with Rich Rodriguez, there's still 
so much to learn. But I think that with Anwar being out, um, he really was able to learn a lot, and he was able to learn a lot about kind of how Rich Rod really wanted to use him when he's able to run the offense the way that he wants to run it. And there's were lots of times when we saw him playing many different positions. He played, uh, I think we saw him at kick returner. We saw him at wide receiver. We saw him at true running back. So if there's reason to buy stock in Malik, it's just because of how many times he'll probably see the field in so many different positions. Absolutely. So I think, you know, we each made our case for our offensive MVP um, but I think we did, you know, we tried to see if we could come up with two names on defense, but we just couldn't make a case for anybody but corner Jabari Mack. He finished the spring with nine total interceptions, which I'm pretty sure is the most that any defensive back had this spring. He was one of the four corners, which Rodriguez mentioned, um, is sort of competing for that job this coming up this fall. So, I, you know, I just think especially especially the last half of the spring, almost every practice we went out and saw him and we came away going, oh, that was a great play by Jabari Mack. Yeah, and this is a defensive back room that has a lot of experience. And there's a few guys like Marco Baker, Jamari Jemison. There's a few guys who really know the system very well. And for him to step up in such a huge way, I think, and stick out among that really talented group of defensive backs, I think was really impressive as well. And him being able to just step up as kind of one of the leaders in the defense so quickly as well. Because he didn't just ease into it. He, he came on the first day. He was ready to go. And he made some plays on in the first week even that were really impressive. So like you said, I think that Jabari Mack is just one of the guys that you will see on the field a lot more than he did last season, this season. Yeah, I actually spoke to Mac after the uh, you know the public scrimmage at the end of spring. He, of course, had an interception in that game, and I asked him, you know, how he felt he improved compared to where he was at in the fall. He said he felt like he struggled with patience before. He sort of forced plays. You know, you hear football coaches talk all the time that good defensive backs let the plays come to them. They don't operate outside the system. They don't try to do too much. That's those are the plays when maybe you see a guy try to jump a route and you see a receiver running free, and that's when you give up those big touchdowns. Um, Mac said he felt like that. He used to do that. He used to try to force things. He feels more comfortable sort of waiting on the play to develop. Uh, and he also feels like his footwork's better. His feet at the line, coming off the line, is better now than it was a year ago. And maybe that led to some of those interceptions. I think he's got great anticipation. I think that's what we see on all of those picks. So. It would be a little bit of a shock if he's not playing a significant role in this defense. But as you mentioned, you know, Rich Rod is currently looking at four guys for those spots, and I think it's going to be a really exciting fall camp for us to watch and see how those guys shake out. And regardless of even where he plays, I think that he's just an athlete enough to where if he's on, if Rich Rodriguez wants him to be on the field, he'll be on the field. And there's, like I said before, there are plenty of guys that are like this, but Jabari Mack just... He's one of those guys that's just an athlete, and he's one of the guys that proved that he can step up, and he proved there's a there's times where really he just seemed to be a leader, and he just and Rich Rodriguez also said, you know, he's one of the guys that we're gonna turn to, and he's one of the guys that we're excited about because of his spring. So I'm personally really excited to see how he does in the fall. I think that he will take he he will 
take another even another step. Um, he's just an athlete, and his work drive, like you said, and we talked to him. He's just he just wants to get better and better, and it's it's real. It was really cool to see him really thrive this spring. Yeah. So just to recap, our MVPs from the spring, we've got uh, tight end Pearson Baldwin and running back Malik Jackson on offense. Two names that people weren't looking at coming out of last season. These are two up-and-coming names, probably in line for a possible breakout, depending on how things go this season. And then a defensive guy that we didn't think we'd be talking about a year ago in Jabari Mack. You know, these are not the established guys. We're not talking about starters from a season ago. Uh, I don't know. Just incredible to see how some younger guys and some new transfers have really come in and uh, – not only impressed us this spring, but also impressed the coaches. Speaking of the 2023 season, Thomas, why don't we end the podcast talking about the new transfers, the guys we haven't seen that joined the team since spring ended, that we're most excited for. Thomas, I think you were looking at not one, but a couple receivers kind of competing for that top spot in your mind. Yeah, there are a couple of guys. One of them that I'm really excited about um, is Jared Bowie. Granted, this wide receiver room is pretty set pretty much. Sterling Galpin, Mike Petway, Perry Carter. Um, those are kind of the three guys. Oh, and PJ Wells. Those are the guys that you can kind of expect to see rotating and um, playing. But Jared Bowie is a very intriguing guy. Um, he was the easily the best receiver in Division Two last season. He led all of Division Two receivers in receptions, receiving yards, receptions per game, receiving yards per game. And he had 18 receiving touchdowns, which was second in Division Two as well. He was also a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy, which is given to the best player at the Division Two level. So it's easy to say that he's one of the best players that could have been recruited from the Division Two level. Granted, he's five foot nine, 160 pounds, which moving into FBS football that might be a question mark to his uh, size, but there's no questioning his ability at the Division Two level and. If we were talking about Jacksonville State two years ago, then it, it'd be safe to say that he would be one of the guys that is going to step up and is going to succeed. But with the FBS new look, there, there's a definitely a question mark about his size, but his ability definitely is is already proven at the Division Two level. To me, I think his size probably speaks to just how talented he truly is. Rich Rod spent all of last fall and all of the offseason talking about how the Gamecocks got to get bigger, faster, and stronger. Yeah, we can look at five foot nine, 160 pounds and say, well, it doesn't seem like they're getting bigger bringing him on, but I think that speaks to how good he is that despite that, Richard is like, this is a guy we want to bring in and we want to join the team. And when you're talking about leading Division Two, just to put that in perspective, on average, he caught 9.3 passes a game and finished with 161 receiving yards per game. So imagine that stat line for the Gamecocks. Nine catches, 161 yards. That would easily be the best receiver on Jacksonville State's roster. Now, as you said, I don't think either of us expect him to come in and be the number one receiver on this list, on this team. But I do think we expect him to come in and compete. And, you know, whenever you're the best at any level, I think that proves that you're probably worth a look at a higher level. Now, we'll see if going from Division Two to FBS football is too big a jump, but I do think there's reason to watch him early this season and 
you know, see how he slots into the offense. I'm most interested in seeing how he splits time with Sterling Alban. Those two seem like they would probably overlap the most. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see if, if both of those guys are out there or if they're on some sort of rotation. I think that, to me, is the thing that'll be interesting. And there's plenty of reason for him to step in. Um, there's a lot of Rich Rodriguez said throughout the spring, I want to make my wide receivers more versatile. And if this is the case, then you could probably see him take on a couple of different roles. Granted, like you said, we haven't seen this guy yet um, in practice, but I'm sure that he's going to try and plug in immediately just because of, like you said, the talent. And the, it's hard to question his work ethic when he's five foot nine, 160 pounds and leading Division two in almost every single stat. So he's one of the guys that I'm really excited about. And another wide receiver that I think could join in the mix is a Stetson wide receiver, Quentin Lane. He spent four seasons with Stetson. He was all-conference player with the Hatters as well. He led the team in receptions, receiving yards, receiving yards per game, receiving touchdowns. He was their wide receiver one, and he was all-pioneer league football or all-pioneer football league first team in 2022 last season. So I think that there's plenty of gut and also – Adding into the mix is wide receiver Dallin Wright from Virginia Tech. He didn't see the field, but there's plenty of depth coming into this wide receiver room. While Bowie might be the is by far the most intriguing guy to me, I don't think that there's really any questioning the wide receiver depths for probably a couple of years because some of these guys are young and there's obviously a lot of talent there. So I'm pretty excited to see how the wide receiver room shakes up. Not with the starting positions, but moving into the second string and seeing how they're going to rotate out. Yeah, what's most interesting about the receivers is I think we both expect Richrod to lead on the ground game again this year. That's what he wants the focal point of this offense to be. But even with that, I do think Zion Webb is going to air it out more this year or whoever is the quarterback if it's not Zion. I do think the Gamecocks are going to air things out a little more this season and so maybe there is room for one of these guys to sort of emerge as a consistent option. And I agree. I do think Jared Bowie is probably the most intriguing name at this point, you know, before we see any of these guys in action. So while Thomas wanted to talk about the offense and he tried to narrow down on one of these three receivers to be his pick, for me, the decision was easy. I'm going to stay on defense and I'm going to pick Quay Drake, a linebacker from Louisiana Monroe. Uh, last season, he logged 13 total tackles, nine solo, and he had two and a half tackles for loss. In 2021, he played in 12 games with three starts, and he finished with 56 total tackles, 26 solo. So much bigger season in 2021 than last year. I, I just think he could definitely come in and, and compete for playing time. I'm not sure that I expect him to be a starter, although there's certainly a chance he could make a case when of the guys that Jacksonville State has on the roster, only four linebackers saw the field last season. Larry Worth, Lalete Hale, Tristan Wells, and Cole Fuller. And of those guys, only two of them got at least 20 tackles. Lalete Hale finished with 47. Larry Worth finished with 20. So when you hear Quay Drake's stats, 13 total tackles last season, but he had 56 in 2021, that's actually competitive with this linebacking core. We've got a lot of inexperienced guys that need to prove they can step up and prove they can replace guys like Markel Benton and Stevante Tullis. 
it's also really good to see them bringing in a guy from the group of five level. Granted, this is his fourth stop, actually. He had stops at Butler Community College and Kennesaw State. But still, this is really good to have some leadership. And like you said, there's only a couple of guys who have seen the field consistently that are on in this linebacking core. But there's, there's plenty of reason to believe that Drake can be one of the guys. He's had proven success at the group of five level with ULM. And there's a reason that they scouted him out. I mean, there's a big reason for believing in him and looking at the linebacking core I think that there's plenty of opportunity for him and looking at the defense there's plenty of guys who really need to step up as leaders and if he's one of the guys then I wouldn't really be that surprised just because of the success that he's had at this level as well yeah and you mentioned Butler Community College Kennesaw State now Louisiana Monroe now Jacksonville State in their first season at the FPS level he's moved around but he's moving up so I think that is worth noting. Uh, also a good point that he does have group of five experience. That actually could give him a leg up on some of these other guys when it comes to playing time. Rich Rod has talked about it. The, the guys talked about it last season after their FBS game. It's a faster game when you're playing those teams. They're stronger. They might be taller, bigger. You have to adjust when you're playing those teams. And Jacksonville State is going to have to make those adjustments, not just once a year now. That's an every week thing for the Gamecocks. So for Quade Drake, it's just going to be business as usual. He's coming in used to that sort of experience. He's used to playing teams that are that fast, that strong. Yes, he didn't have this huge season last year like he did in 2021. But I do think experience, even experience in practice against some of his teammates, probably does prepare him to give him a chance to really compete for playing time this year. That will do it for today's episode of Up in the Roost. I just want to thank y'all for listening to this podcast. Thomas and I really appreciate the support. The first episode has already gotten. We're blown away by how many of you have listened and, and commented and reached out to us. It means a lot. So please keep listening. Keep reaching out to us if you have suggestions. And if you're listening on Spotify right now, you can actually go to the episode and scroll down, and there should be a poll, and you can vote on it. Maybe Thomas and I will figure out some fun ways to incorporate those poll results into future episodes. Thanks, and see you next time.